Psalm 66, 1 to 5. Shout with joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name, make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing praise to your name. Come and see what God has done, how awesome his works in man's behalf. And it is incredibly good to be with you, whether you're down here, up there, or out there. It is incredibly good to get together and celebrate our 22nd birthday today. Um, some of you maybe knew around us and thinking, well, why are you doing this? Like, surely that's just like you're gathering to celebrate yourselves. Um, now, that's not what this is about. Uh, today is about us celebrating God's work in and through us. And my hope is that we'll kind of get to a point by the end where we just want to burst into song to celebrate who God is, whether we've been part of the journey, whether we're looking in on the journey, or whether we want to become part of the journey of who we are as Oasis. And kind of that's where we're going. And in it, we're going to discover that it hasn't just been that my hair's got a lot greyer over the last 22 years. My hope is that we're going to discover some other things. And to help us do that, I want us to look at this psalm that Kate has so uh, eloquently and excellently read out to us. Psalm 66 is a psalm that is all about joy. Now, if you're around Oasis uh, for any period of time, if you've been around over this last year, you'll know that we live each year with a sense of, okay, what's the words that we're to live with, discovering more of together as a family, as a church? And this year, we've said the word that we felt God wanted us to kind of investigate and have an adventure to explore and understand more is the word joy. And at the beginning of the year, we gave out a load of scriptures that are all about joy, of how we discover joy, how we receive joy, and how we then get to bring joy. And one of those kind of verses that we looked at, one of those chapters we looked at in terms of that, how do we then get be those who live in joy, is this psalm, Psalm 66, of being those who get to sing songs of joy, which is what this psalm is all about. It's a a psalm singing songs of joy to God and about God, which is amazing, isn't it? Sometimes we can think, all right, is my singing just like directed to God? Yeah, it is that. Like when we come together and sing, maybe you've never done that before. Why we do that is it's this moment of allowing our hearts to give voice and say, actually, the very core of who I am, what I want to celebrate is you, God. And I don't want to just do that through my voice. I'm going to use it through my physical body. Maybe you've never been around something like this. And you see people putting their hands up. Now, if you're online, you probably don't see that. But if you're in the room, you see that. And that's probably one of the weirdest things that you can see of people putting their hands up. You're like, why are they doing that? Although it's kind of a way of saying, actually, with my whole body, I want to give everything I am to honour and praise you. I don't know if you've ever been to a football game. I've been to a couple Uh, generally very boring, usually end with some level of defeat. But in it, what you find is that people can't help but use the whole of themselves to declare how good and for their team they are. And often you see like hands raised, come on you blues, come on you reds, come on you whatever colour else there is out there. And there's that. 
And in it, when we come with that moment of declaring just how good it, God is, like even more so than like some humans kicking a piece of something around a pitch, as we come and say, so I'm so disrespecting football, which I know for some of you is just so good. And yet remember, God increase, we decrease. That includes football. But um, in it, there's that moment that actually as we discover who God is, there's this celebration, joy in who he is, which is about all of who we are. So we can't help but kind of lift our hands. So just a quick explanation of why that happens. But in terms of this psalm, Psalm 66, it says, find joy in God, declare joy in God, and all the others can hear it because of what God has done. And it talks about the salvation works, the rescuing works of God throughout the ages. And so it points to, for that people at that time, the exodus out of slavery into freedom that was to become this foreshadow of what Jesus did on the cross through his life, death, and resurrection of rescuing us from the slavery of our own ways that always leads to destruction, to freedom in his love that allows us to finally be human to actually bring life rather than seeking to take it. And so this psalm becomes a psalm on the big scale of what God has done and the joy to be found in him because of what he's done in your life, what he's done in my life, and what he could do in your life and my life. And also there's this moment where it then says in verse 5, it says, come and see what our God has done, what awesome miracles he performs for his people. What the psalmist goes on to do is then list some of the amazing miracles that God has done for his people through the ages. And I was just struck as we gather on our 26th birthday, the 22nd birthday, that actually this is a moment for us to do that. A moment to come and mark some of the awesome things God has done amongst us. Not for nostalgia, but in order that we see that the one that our story has always been about and always will be about is God. All that he has done through us and all that he's wanting to do in us. And therefore my hope is that we'll get to the end of me sharing and saying, actually, yeah, God, we want to come and declare with shouts of joy how good you are, what you've done in us, what you've done through us in order that not only we declare it to you, but to others so they can hear it and see what miracles God has done amongst us. So this isn't a journey of nostalgia. This isn't like a pat on the back for who we are. We've survived 22 years. No, no. This is a moment for us to celebrate and say, look what God has done amongst us. And I think it's really important to do that. I think it's important to do it not only because it causes us to see our gaze is always on God. Today is all about celebrating in who God is. Also allows us to realize that the last 18 months that we've lived through and that the pandemic we continue to live through, the uncertainty we lived through where last weekend we didn't know if we could even get here through fueling our cars or the price of gas or whatever the latest moment is that we're looking saying, man, this is uncertainty. That actually our story is bigger than this moment. And our story will go on beyond this moment. As we're believing that what God is doing amongst us is building a family, a church that will greet Jesus upon his return. Therefore, that will probably outlive many of us in this room. And that's a good thing. Therefore, I want us to look back then at our journey so far. 
And as I said, as we're going to look at it, I'm just going to pick out moments that I hope that will cause us to see how good God has been along our journey. And as I pick out those moments, I cannot tell the whole story because we'll be here for 22 years. I won't say some of the stories that you're longing for me to tell. You get to share those. But I'm hoping to just share some of the things that allow us to see, wow, look at what God has done amongst us. And I want to do that through three chapter headings. I'm only doing it through three chapter headings because I need to be done relatively quickly. My three chapter headings are going to be these. It's going to be in the beginning, it's just not cricket, and there's no place like home. So if at any point you hear me say it, you think, all right, we're nearly getting to the end. We're getting there as you're hanging on in there. But my hope is we'll enjoy the journey uh, as we go through. So first of all, in the beginning, every story has a beginning. And we here as Oasis have a beginning. There was a moment where we didn't exist, and there's a moment where we came into existence. And we came into existence because of a desire and a design that we felt God speak to a group of us about, gathered both from outside of the city and within the city, say, how could we work in partnership with other churches across this city to reach people who don't know yet how wonderful Jesus is? And so 18 of us gathered in 1999 to say, let's do this. I can remember being part of that 18 and thinking, yeah, we might want to do this, but how on earth is this going to work? Like, have you seen the size of this city? This was before the days of Satnav, where all there was was A to Zs. And like crossing Birmingham, therefore, would just take you like hours because it made no sense. The city seemed vast and we seemed small. And yet through it, God taught us something. He taught us that actually his way, his kingdom, his rule and reign always starts small and always grows. Jesus told us that actually the kingdom is like a mustard seed or some yeast, and it's just small beginnings and then grows. And that's what we found, that from that 18 we grew. Remember, as we sat as that 18 once in a lounge in Mosley, just thinking, how is this going to work? Like bumping shoulders with different individuals who are across the city and discovering something of their spiritual journey. I remember us coming together and saying, It just seems like our plan of action needs to be this. Let's love Jesus, and let's not do anything stupid. That was it. That was the grand plan. Let's love Jesus, and let's not do anything stupid. And from that moment, God continued to add to us. So we're here. And then what we did over time is we changed it because we thought probably love Jesus, don't do anything stupid, wouldn't feel like it's got time on it. So therefore we got back and said, what does it mean to love Jesus? Well, let's love what he loved and told us to love. And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Let's love God and love people. So that small beginning began to grow. And as we began to grow, we realized that we were going to gather and we need to invite people to something. I like anything, you need a name. I, I've got three kids, and they're not just called kids, though often I use those names. They actually have specific names, and Lucy and I spent time considering what we were going to name each of them. And the same was true for us. We spent time considering, like, what name is it that we're to have? 
And we came up with loads of weird names I haven't got time to tell you about. But the one that we began to settle on was this name, Oasis. As we lived longer and longer in a city, we realized that a city can feel like a desert. And therefore, in a desert, you just need moments where you find refreshment. And we felt like actually in this moment of being an oasis, we needed to find that we could build a place that would be a place of refreshment and restoration. And we found over the years that that name Oasis has embodied who we've become. A place of refreshment and restoration. A place where people come and help us extend the reach of who we are as an oasis. As well as a place where people come to find that oasis for a period of time before they move on to something else. In the last two weeks, I've had two of those conversations. One where someone has joined us during lockdown. And they said, I just came. And I knew that I needed refreshment. I knew I needed restoration. And that's what I found. And I just want you to know I'm here now to, to extend this. I want others to know this restoration, this refreshment. Then I had another conversation with another couple who were saying, we came and we knew that we wouldn't be here for long, but we just needed restoring. We needed refreshment before we could move on. And that's what you've been to us. We didn't realize how much restoration we needed. Boy, did we need some. But I want you to know that we're now moving on knowing that deep sense of restoration, deep sense of refreshment. And as they move on, they were saying to me, and is it okay if we sometimes pop back to still drink from the oasis? I was like, yeah, of course. We're going to change who we are. Because with that, with that sense of who we are as oasis, it kind of is that third thing within this chapter I'd want to pick up on is what we discovered is something that Paul says that Jesus said in Acts 20 verses 35, which is one of those weird moments. It's not in any of the Gospels. And Paul says, do you remember what Jesus said? See, Jesus said this in Acts 20, 35. He said, it's more blessed to give than receive. And that's what we found in our beginnings. Is it isn't about building an empire. It's about building his kingdom. It's not about just keeping everyone to ourselves. It's about being generous and blessing and sending as well as receiving. And therefore, our rhythm has always been that, of that sense of, yeah, we're going to receive people who are going to become part of extending this oasis. We're also going to be those that send many to extend this oasis to other areas of this city, this nation, and the nations. And so our journey has been one where we have literally sent hundreds of people. I think at my last count, it was over 600 people we'd sent from oasis to different parts of this city, the nation, and the nations. And what I love is every so often I get to hear from different individuals who just remark back and say, the restoration and refreshment I knew here has profoundly changed me, and I bring that where I am now. More blessed to give than receive. And so even now I could tell you of another couple I've spoken to, where they, out of lockdown, have said, do you know what we felt like? God is calling us to this estate that we're living in. We've loved being part of Oasis, but we just feel like we, we need to be part of this estate. And there's a local church here in this estate within Birmingham that we feel that we should be part of. What was my response? Go. 
We send you, we bless you. I got to gather with a small group that then spent the evening just praying and blessing them off on their adventure. Why? Because we're building God's kingdom, not an oasis empire. Unbelievably freeing. But you see, that's just the first chapter. Let's skip to the second one. It's just not cricket. Because what happened is in those moments, those forming moments, we were gathering in schools. And schools are fun. But if you're kids, you know, actually there's a point where a school isn't a place you want to hang out anymore. You know, going to school six days a week is just not fun. And therefore, we just thought, well, maybe there's somewhere else we could go. And we felt God speak to us about going to a place of visibility. We just didn't know what that would look like. And then one day in 2007, I'm traveling home following a double-decker bus past Edgebaston Stadium cricket ground. And in this, on this double-decker bus is a poster of a cricketer. I don't like cricket. As you're starting to pick up, I'm not a massive fan of sport. I know lots of people who Oasis are. That's some of the wisdom and mercy of God uh, to bring others who are not like me around. Um, but in it, as I see this picture of a cricketer, I see the words, and it's advertising some insurance change. And in it, I see it's just not cricket. Oasis Church live at Edgebaston Cricket Stadium. I think, that's a bit weird. And so as I get home, I call a few people and say, I wonder whether we should see about meeting here. And so we start an investigation. I'm not going to tell the whole story because it's quite a long one. Start an investigation to meet at Edgebaston Stadium. I remember getting a call like within, after our first meeting because the drums start to beat within church circles. And so messages get out. I don't know how. Like We weren't telling anyone. But suddenly, I get a call from a friend who leads the church. And he says, I hear that you're looking to meet Edgebaston Stadium. I was like, do you? How does he know that? And he goes, well, just so you know, they never negotiate and they never allow regular bookings. I just thought you'd want to know that. I thought, well, that's very kind. Um, we'll see what happens. For 10 years, we ended up meeting at Edgebaston Stadium. We ended up with an 80% reduction in fees. And we ended up with permanent space there. Because what we discovered through that moment was our negotiation was rubbish. Who we were was nothing. But who God was, was one who could open doors wherever he wanted us to be. And we discovered that, at that moment of adventure of actually, it's not about us, it's about him. Remember? Let's just keep loving Jesus. Let's not do anything stupid. It's just that. And through those moments of being at Edgebaston, it shaped and changed us. See, what God did in us through that season, there's so many stories I could tell you, is suddenly we found ourselves in a place that gave the impression we were way bigger than we really are. You know, as soon as you say, oh, we're a church that meets in a stadium, people have a certain perspective. And so the rumors of how big Oasis were over that period of time was just comical. I'd have people come up to me and go, I cannot believe how big Oasis is. I'm like, oh, really? How big do you think it is? And they say, and I go, yeah, we're, we're not that. I dispelled the myth. But there was something amazing that went on, is that what we discovered is, though we weren't of huge size, we were small, we could have big influence because of the God that we were with. And so we actually began to shape how Edgebaston Stadium did things. And what that did is it did something in us of realizing that actually who we are is meant to make a difference in the world around. It isn't simply about getting everyone to gather in. It's about who we are when we're sent out. And the church isn't just what and who we are gathered. It's who we are when we're scattered. 
That every single one of us is uniquely placed by God in the environments that we're in, in order that we can reveal the wonder of who God is, the colours and flavours of who God is, in order that others can then taste and see how good God is. See, God changed us through that time at Edgebaston. Changed us to realise that who we were is, Oasis is both gathered, like this, and scattered into many, many different places. And over the years, that has changed our neighbours' lives. It's changed our workplaces. I haven't got time to tell you the stories of healthcare services that have been changed, education structures that have been uh, changed, of individual neighbours who've been cared for and changed as people have realised, like, who am I? I'm always gathered, I'm always scattered. I get to be one who's uniquely placed here to cause others to see how good God is. But you see... Things come to an end, and in 2017, um, Edge Stadium were in a building program, and they came and saw me at the very start, it was actually the end of 2016, and said, look, we need you to move on. It's been great having you here. They used to call us their church. They said, we need this, the areas that you use. I remember us coming together and saying, okay, we don't know where we're going, but God, we know that you've got a home for us. You've always looked after us, therefore remember, Love Jesus, don't do anything stupid. We said, okay, God, why couldn't you provide us a home? Why couldn't us, moving from this place, you provide somewhere else for us to go? So we went on an adventure of what would it look like for us to get a home? And we had like one place where it felt like it was all coming together. And then we realized that actually it's not a home at any cost. See, what God did with us in this moment where it felt like we'd got this home immediately coming together is it caused us to trust him that he can provide. But then we realized that actually it wasn't a home at any cost because actually to take up this home was actually going to be a place where the landlords wanted to do things that we didn't feel were quite okay to do. That's another story. But we said, okay, we're not going to go there, which left us with two weeks to find somewhere. And I remember standing up in front of Oasis at Edgebaston saying, hey, guys, we're, we're not moving there and we don't know where we're going to move to, but hey, we're not going to lose anyone. Just we'll keep you posted. And then I think we moved, we kind of left and we text everyone within the week of where we were going to move to next. What was amazing is as we left Edgebaston, they both gave us money and they gave us every chair that you're sat on. And for me, I kind of think, that's not usual, is it? What is that? That's God at work in us. See, what happened is we then moved three times in seven months. If you've ever moved, you don't move three times in seven months. That's tiring. But that's what we did. God has spoken to us about being like Abraham, a people on the move. I remember us getting to this point of thinking, man, we've got to move somewhere that's going to do us good. And the last move was the place that would do us good, which gets us to the third chapter. There's no place like home. See, we found, we had a team of people looking for places to meet in, and we could not find a place. Could not find a place that would do us a home. And then suddenly, one night, the team of people who were looking for somewhere felt prompted to look at rightmove.com. There's other estate agents out there. 11 p.m., rightmove.com. And what comes up, this old fixer-upper, we'll call it, on South Street in Harborn. 
And so the group kind of take it on and say, well, maybe we should have a look at this. And to cut a long story short, we end up here in what was definitely a fixer-upper. If you've been around in the last kind of four, four years, you'll realize what that means. That means that when we moved in, the good bit was this bit, which was full of wooden pews, was slightly cold, slightly damp. The bad bit was out the back where there was literally a tree growing out of the floor through the roof. Uh, every room had plants growing in it. There was, you know, it was definitely getting back to Eden was going on. There was definitely vegetation going everywhere. And we just thought maybe there's something in us that we could take this building and resurrect it to show that there's still life here. That's what God did amongst us. We took this on and probably did more building project than we should have done in a short period of time. I sometimes look back on that. There's friends of mine who in the period of time that we're talking about. So within, by the end of 2017, we'd moved into this place. So that was within a year, God found us a home. That's pretty amazing. I had friends at that point who just literally purchased the building and they're only just about to move in. I've got other friends who've got loads of money in their bank account, have tried to find a building and have not been able to find one yet. And therefore, I look back and they're like, how has this happened? And I think, well, I know it's not me. And I know there's some smart people in Oasis, but they're not that smart. Therefore, it can only be someone else. And that's God. It's what he's done amongst us. You see, what's happened as we've then found this place is that we've then got this moment of discovering, yeah, this isn't just a building, it's to be our home. And so within that moment, we've discovered what does it mean then to build home together? What does it mean to invite people into our home? That's why the home word gets used so much. So we discover that actually home is a place where we have a culture. It's why as you walk in now, there's a wall that kind of reveals what we mean when we say the word home. It's the culture we're trying to build here. So we get in and literally, by the end of 2019, we're thinking, man, we have got home pinned down. Two years in. That's all it was. It felt like five, ten years, two years in. We've got this pinned down. So we enter 2020 and we're thinking, now let's grab hold of everyone and draw them into our home because we know how good this is. And within three months, we find ourselves locking the doors, chartering a pandemic that no one within generations has ever had to charter. For the first time in British history, church buildings close. We have to discover a new way of gathering. That's what we do over 18 months. And what it does is it it causes us to become homesick. Homesick not because there's something special about the building, but because we realize we were building something together. But what we do is we discover within that homesick moment that God still wants to use it. That within the moments of uncertainty, within the moments of suffering, within the moments of pain, that we're still living through in terms of the pandemic, God uses it. I think what was amazing is this preaching series we were in, literally before the pandemic, was in John, where we'd labelled it, it's all about Jesus. And what we soon found as we entered lockdown is that actually who we are as a community, who, what our lives need to be about is what? all about Jesus. Everything else got stripped away and we discover he is better than we ever imagined. See, what we discovered through that period and I think we're still discovering is, yes, who we are is all about Jesus. We're not going to be apologetic about that because he is incredibly good, very good. And he is enough 
It's never Jesus and. He's enough. But we also discovered through that period, as the pause button was pressed on each of our lives, that actually maybe we weren't living as Jesus intended us to live. And so not only is it that we discover it is all about Jesus, it's also that we get to live as Jesus lived. That's why we came up with this whole moment of recalibrate. We even printed a whole book about it, a little booklet, so that we could all take it in and say, maybe we're not going to live how we've lived. Maybe we're going to live how Jesus lived. Sustained by him. Slowing down with simplicity, with solitude, with justice, with love for our neighbours. Like, grab it if you've not grabbed it. Start to apply it, because I think this is what God's wanting to do in and through us. That actually through this period we realise, yes, it is all about Jesus, and we want to live as Jesus lives our lives, which is what Recalibrate is all about. Which then gets us to this moment. Because we then get to be back in home. Not for everyone, and that's sad, isn't it? Some of us I know who'd love to be here at the moment because of health reasons they can't. And we love you being part of us. And it breaks me, to be honest. This isn't fake. There's some people I know who want to be here today and they can't. And that's just the reality. That's the cost. But we love you. And we love the fact that you're still with us. We also love being in the room together, don't we? Because what we've realised through this journey is when you've not got something, you realise how much it means to you and that God gathered us here in order that we'd have a home, not because it's all that we are, but because it becomes something that reminds us that we're part of something much bigger, that we belong together as we're scattered into our unique places. We come back home to say, look what's going on. Therefore, we don't take this for granted. We say we're about building this, not just for ourselves, but for others. I've loved it since we've opened the doors again. Week in, week out, different people have come into home, and you're so welcome. And as we continue, what we do is we say, God, this is your story, and we continue to see you build our home. But for this moment, where do we end? Well, I'd say it's this, three words that we always talk about, pause, center, continue. See, this moment surely is a moment where we pause and say, God, this is your story, not ours. I hope you've got that. Like, this story is not about, like, how amazing the people in Oasis are. No, no, no. This is a story about how good is God. And then we center and say, and God, you who are Father, Son, and Spirit are so good. In order that we continue, we continue to say, and God, we continue to go with you. Continuing to be like we're in that room in Mosley 22 years ago and saying, we're just going to love you and do nothing stupid. (laughs) That's what we're going to do. Maybe for some of you, you're saying, hey, can I be part of the journey? Yeah, come and join in. This is what we're doing. We're going to love God and love people. And then also we're going to continue in this moment. I'm going to ask the band to come back up and we're just going to celebrate with songs of joy, declaring how good God is. (laughs) 